Hi, I'm Johnny Hamilton, and welcome to this episode of the Future Focus Fridays podcast series. In this episode, I'm talking with Denise Brown, VP HR Strategy and Solutions at Providence. She shares her insights and stories of how her career journey evolved, what she focuses on in her new role, and the three things that are critical to interacting effectively with senior leaders. Let's drop in on our conversation and hear some of her insights into preparing ourselves to be successful in our careers. Denise, tell us a little bit about how your career has evolved. Were there any twists and turns along the way? I don't think there's um, anything but twists and turns along the way with my career. So uh, growing up, I always thought that I was going to be a physician and a pediatrician at that and actually took the MCAT, started applying to med schools and then decided, you know what, that's not what I want to do. But I knew I still wanted to be in healthcare, And so I really started my career at Epic. So electronic medical record company where I was doing technical project and escalation management. Loved it. I got to do a ton of things that I really had no business doing in my early 20s, but it was awesome. And I got to work with healthcare organizations, really help understand as they were thinking about putting Epic in, what are you trying to accomplish? What are some of the operational considerations? And how do we think about that before we add in a tool to help enable what you're trying to accomplish? Loved what I was doing, had an awesome time and was ready to go back to grad school. I wanted to get closer to the provider side of healthcare, and so did an MBA, MHA at University of Washington, and then really found that I loved strategy. And so I came into Providence as an administrative fellow, which we don't have that anymore, but really is a leadership rotation program. And what was awesome about it is that I got to spend half of my time doing system-wide projects, and then half of my time really getting exposure to our leadership team. So I was able to attend board meetings, attend all of our leadership meetings, have one-on-ones with our senior executives. And it was just an incredibly rich opportunity for me to really try and figure out, okay, I think I like strategy, but what do I want to do? And then really spent the first six years at Providence in our system strategy team, um, building a couple times, both on the legacy Providence side and then for Providence St. Joseph Health, our internal strategic project management, strategic implementation, internal consulting. We had a few different brands as we went through it, team. And that's really where I found that I loved being a people leader. I loved really jumping into new challenges. I loved kind of the breadth and depth that comes with taking on big, complex, high-risk projects for the organization and, and really being able to do that for an organization where I was able to not only help bring things together, but see the longer-term impact. And um, I enjoyed it. I thought I would probably stay in strategy forever and had the opportunity. One of the big initiatives I took on was our Accelerating to Health 2.0 initiative, working with Greg Hoffman and Greg Till. And that's when I first connected with Greg Till and he started talking to me about coming over to HR, which I never thought was going to be on my career path. Um, But it is. And I've loved it. I loved coming into HR, really taking some of my love that I had for being a people leader and really being able to bring that in, in addition to the strategy pieces. And so it's been kind of a fun twist and turn that I never anticipated. And I imagine my career will continue to have lots of twists and turns because I never really know where I'm going to go. But I know that I love really having new challenges solving new things, learning a lot. And so that will naturally include more twists and turns as I look ahead to my career. 
it sounded like you really love what you're doing. You had just an incredible amount of exposure to figure out what it is that you really like to do. You know, one of the things I've found too is really just trying to figure out what drives you. Like what are those core things that really doesn't change? And then what are the things that you're constantly trying to look at as adding to your toolbox? Um, what are you adding that is new, whether it's experiences, skills, whatever it may be in terms of opportunities. And so for me, the North Stars that I kind of keep in mind are, one, I love working um, for an organization and doing work that has a meaningful impact on the lives of others. I love solving complex problems and having variety. I like being on a high-performing team that has an open and collaborative culture. I really love leading, developing, and investing in other people. It's important, I think, to have a core leader who really enables and advocates for and challenges you. And then for me, I've got a four and a seven-year-old. And so work-life integration and really being present with them and present with my husband is one of my priorities and also probably one of my continued challenges and opportunities as I try and balance my career and professional aspirations with my personal aspirations. That's a lot on your plate, but I can tell that you are really engaged and involved in what you're doing. In your former role, you were chief of staff. What kind of things in that role were you focused on? I definitely had some official duties, but I think the first one is probably other projects and duties as assigned. That's usually what comes with the chief of staff role. So you kind of never know what you're going to get, which is also part of the fun. And so, you know, with the chief of staff role, there's kind of the um, public facing and then the private facing kind of parts of your roles. A big part of it is really just being that trusted advisor and thought partner to the leader that you're working with, in this case, Greg and, you know, the HR leadership team. There was a component of, you know, really focusing on the business and administrative operations. So what was the rhythm of business for our meetings? You know, how are we thinking about budget? What are the change in communications that we're leading as we're kind of not only connecting with our leaders, but really connecting with all of our HR caregivers across the organization? I was brought in to really think about our integrated strategic planning, um, had accountability and still do for board prep and senior executive meetings. And then some of the components, too, were around how are we thinking about the positioning of HR? You know, with HR, we've got kind of our internal brand, our external brand. And as you know, you all know, we've been going through that evolution of really thinking about our future org design and aspirations with that model and how we operate. And I think a big part of that is how do we ensure that our brand is really living up to those aspirations of really being that strategic thought partner that brings together kind of the business strategy and the workforce strategy and really moves that along. And another piece, too, that I picked up around kind of other duties as assigned um, was the virtual work strategy and really having, honestly, just the incredible opportunity to work with so many people across the organization to bring that to life and really bring that forward. A robust role um, that really carries into today because I didn't give up any of those dis uh, duties and <laughs> responsibilities as I moved into my current role. Your new role is the VP of HR Strategy and Solutions, and, and I would suppose that there is a lot of other duties as a sign. What's life like in this role? Yeah, you know, when I think about my role today, in many ways, it's kind of the combination of my last two roles. So before HR, I was the executive director of strategic implementation and led a team of about a dozen folks and, you know, really focused on what were those big cross-functional strategic high-risk initiatives that we were doing across the organization, really bringing people together to drive that forward. You know, I just highlighted some of the duties in my chief of staff, and I think it kind of brings together those two jobs 
and then um, maybe amplifies it, makes it even bigger, grows it, um, whatever it may be, especially given the context that we're in right now with workforce, workforce crisis and COVID. And so really taking that and, and helping to grow that into what are um, even more of those future-focused integrated workforce strategies and investments that we're doing in partnership with HRLT, but also really in partnership with the organization one of the opportunities that I've had and been fortunate to step into is serving as the general manager for our new workforce council. And so just as we're doing within HR, we're really trying to bring her together. What is that vision, the strategy? What are those core investments? How do we also think about coordinating and really identifying those synergies across the councils? And that's one of the big goals with the councils is really thinking about not just what are we doing maybe within our silos, but intentionally creating those cross-functional teams and councils and really ensuring that that translates to our strategies and our investments. And so we're doing a lot there. And then I think the other piece to mention is super excited with, you know, all the incredible work that, you know, started through COVID and has continued around the Solution Center and building on that success to date, really just continuing to grow and mature that. I think we have continued opportunity as we think about really that innovative, user-centered product and service design, incubating new ideas that we can really sustain and scale across the organization. And I think more broadly for our strategy and solutions team, really leaning even more into the strategic planning, the portfolio management, making sure that you know when we think about HR, we've got so much on our plates. There's a lot of burnout. And one of the things I think our team can help with the most is really ensuring that we're doing the right work at the right time, really to drive that strategic and operational value and doing that in alignment with the organizational readiness and capacity and complementing that with some of the business planning. So let's make sure that we're assessing ideas before we move them through and then making sure that soup to nuts, we're telling that story. We're helping with that change management, with that value measurement. So we're really helping to plant the seeds and not considering change management. At times we can, we do it really well at times and other times we have opportunity to really say, okay, it's not communication, but it's really helping to create campaigns that engage and energize and enable the organization. And using things like value measurement and pilots to say, okay, we tested this, it really works. And hey, by the way, organization, we want you to implement this, not just because we say so, but we actually have results that we can tell you about and should help show the business value of moving some of this work forward. And so I'm super excited. We're starting to talk about this within our team, what our vision, our aspirations are. And I'm really hopeful that others will be inspired about what we're thinking about and talking about as well. You spoke of the right skills and the right people at the right time. And we're looking at the HR capabilities. There's six of them and the strategic talent leader work. What can we be doing ourselves as caregivers, as leaders, as part of Providence to better prepare for the future in HR and at Providence? You know, I, I think one of the things that I love about being part of a really great and incredible team that has so many different skill sets is we're all part of the puzzle. And so when I think about capabilities and the work that we do, I think one of the most important things people can start with is what are the strengths that I bring to the table? What brings me joy and how do I contribute to the bigger picture? And so I think as we think about the capabilities, what we can be doing, I think holistically, you know, we, we all contribute one piece to the puzzle, right? And we're all better as a whole. 
But holistically, I think one of the big goals for us is really making sure that we continue to strengthen that bi-directional relationship between the business strategy and the workforce strategy. And I think the more that all of us can really think about and understand what is the business going through, what is the strategy, how do we connect that to the workforce strategy, and really ensuring that we're leaning into our roles as those strategic thought partners who really bring, you know, the, the workforce perspective, the talent perspective, and all of our, you know, both strategic and operational subject matter expertise, I think that's really important. And so it's less of a one-size-fits-all and more of a what brings you joy, what are your strengths, and how do you contribute to those broader outcomes that we're all working together to really realize. I love that individual nature of exploring and developing what lights you up. And that really sounds like what you're asking the workforce to do, each of us, you have already been doing that and are a shining exemplar of that in your career path. I don't know if I'm a shining exemplar, but <laughs> it's something I try and be intentional about. And it's something I try and encourage, you know, anyone that I, I work with. I think it's, it's so important. We spend so much of our time at work. And so if you're not really doing something that brings you joy and that really allows you to bring your strengths and contribute to something, to me, that seems a little less exciting. And I, I'd love to be in a place where I can have joy in my work and feel like I'm being successful because I'm you know, using my abilities to contribute to the greater good. So what's a piece of your secret sauce that you have when you're talking with senior leaders? Do you have a couple of things that are critical when you're interacting effectively with them? Yeah, so it's it's always an ever-evolving target, right? And I think that that's maybe the first part to start with is really knowing your audience. I, I think, you know, whether you're working with executives or working with anyone, really understanding who they are, what they value, and thinking through how you might craft your kind of story to what they're looking for and so that it really resonates. And so I think that's really important and one of the things I do, too, to help get to my know my audience is and, and sometimes set up the room before a meeting is have some pre-meetings. I think it's always great to think about how you might test and get feedback, especially before big decisions, and get that one-on-one -on -one so you really create that safe space for feedback and dialogue. And honestly, it's just going to make your product better because you're engaging other people. I'm a big proponent that you're always going to get a better product when you engage other perspectives. Obviously, there's a limit, right? We can't engage everyone in everything. But I do think that you really benefit when you hear other people's perspective and you can incorporate that. And that leads to a better product and a better discussion. The other thing when I think about executives is, you know, they're really operating in many cases at a pretty high altitude. And so the more that you can set the context the strategy, the vision, and really say, okay, how does what I'm talking to you about today really fit into the broader picture of what we're trying to achieve as an organization? So it really sets that context and creates that connection point because you're often running into a meeting where lots of other topics are being discussed. Maybe they've got other things in their minds as they're getting emails and pings and everything like that. So making that connection point is really important. And then once you've set that context, I think it's really important to get to the point so, you know, a lot of the work should happen in advance of a meeting. Do your homework. Make sure you have a tight story. There should be a succinct data-driven assessment where you provide options and ideally a recommendation. So you're saying, okay, here's the context. Here's what I've done. And here's where we've landed. And here are a couple of options. So you've got flexibility, but really based on what I've done, here's what I'm recommending that we do. And that's really what they're going to be looking for is bring in your perspective. Make sure that you have a point of view 
They may not always agree, but you at least have a starting point that you can really back up, um, ideally with data to really show where you're headed. And then I think, you know, when you're having those conversations, it's so important to just listen, be flexible, invite feedback. You know, I think sometimes, especially when you're nervous, and I, I still get nervous every time I go to present to a big executive audience or I do a live event or whatever it may be, I don't think that will ever go away. But sometimes you can question maybe the validity or maybe your just confidence gets a little shaken when you get pushback or questions and really understanding that that means they're engaged. That's a good thing. Actually, the last thing you want is a silent room because that may mean that they're not prioritizing your topic. And so really, you know, thinking about that. And I think the last thing I'd mention in working with executives is treating them as real people. And it doesn't mean coming in and not being respectful or coming in, you know, without humility, but often you gain respect and you deepen your relationship with executives when you respectfully challenge them, when you don't necessarily put them on a pedestal, but you really come in with that humble confidence and have that curiosity and also find ways to connect personally. You know, Providence is such a relationship-driven organization, and that's how you get things done. And so I think finding ways to appropriately, respectfully, and um, having done your homework, push back, but also find ways to connect and just know that our executives are real people too. They have real lives. They're not always right. And so engaging in the right dialogue and not being afraid to do that, I think, is really important. Those are really key insights and things that I'll be taking with me as I have my conversations with any kind of senior leaders or just any leaders at all. It sounds like some of those could be stressful moments when you're preparing for some of those conversations. What are some of your favorite ways to manage stress? One, I think, you know, when you're preparing for those things, preparation is key. I find that my stress is always better if I feel like I've prepared, but then also at some point just like dusting off my hands and saying, okay, I'm good. I'm done enough. And then I'm just going to run with it. But some of the things that I do to manage stress is I, I get up early. So people always think it's a little bit crazy, but I am usually up between 4.30 or 5, at least four days a week to work out. It's kind of my quiet time before work is pinging me, before my kids are up for the day, because they're usually up 5.30 or 6, they're early risers too. And so that's really a great opportunity for me to kind of focus and get in a little self-care time. If I'm having a really stressful day and if I can manage it, which sometimes is a little bit harder, I feel like it was easier pre-COVID, I'll take a quick walk. Um, sometimes when I'm the most stressed, that's actually when I benefit the most from just walking away for 10, 15 minutes and walking around the neighborhood. Right now, especially in the Seattle area, it's sunny, so it's nice to get a little sun in while we can before the rain comes. And then the other thing that I've been trying to be more intentional about lately, especially as I um, really try and prioritize work-life integration, is just finding time to play with my kids and trying to leave my phone behind and going out in the yard and just leave it there. And I know that that's probably for some of you like, well, why wouldn't you leave your phone behind? But, you know, sometimes those of us are a little attached to our phones or, gosh, if something happens to the kids, I need to be able to call 911 or whatever it may happen. But you know, really just find that time to really disconnect. That's one of the things I'm going to be doing next week too when we head to the beach and I take a week of vacation. And so I think it's really just understanding what energizes you and what drains you and finding ways and really prioritizing that time because it's so easy, especially in this virtual world, for your work 
life boundaries to just blend. And so really prioritizing the time and your health, especially as we, I don't know, run a second marathon in COVID. And so really finding that time, I think, is important so that we can all be at our best and not just be at our best for work, but really from a really whole person, whole life perspective. Denise, thank you for sharing your stories and your insights. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Denise, for your insights and stories about being successful in our careers at Providence. Join us next time for another insightful conversation on the Future Focus Fridays podcast.